Hello, and welcome to the Fan America podcast. I'm your host, Mark Pajarski, and you're listening to a podcast that's all about you, the American soccer fan. Hello and welcome to the Fan America Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bujarski, and we have a great show for you this week. We are interviewing the tremendous John Adams. John is a uh, soccer fan in San Diego, California, and uh, if you know anything about what it is like to be a fan on the West Coast of soccer, uh, then this interview is going to be especially interesting. Uh, For those Premier League fans out there, kickoffs at 6.30 a.m. Central Time seem bad enough, but on the West Coast, they are up at the crack of dawn to watch their teams play. John also uh, goes into what it is like to be a fan of a grassroots USL championship team like San Diego Loyal and what getting that started looks like from his perspective. In addition, we get to talk about some of his favorite memories of the U.S. national teams, men's and women's, uh, as well as the San Jose earthquakes and a little bit uh, for you basketball fans out there about the Orlando Magic, oddly enough. It was a tremendous interview. John is such a, uh, a great and gracious person. Um, I'm so glad that he was willing to come on the show. So without further ado, here is our interview with John Adams. All right. Well, welcome back to the Fan America podcast. Very excited uh, for today's guest. If you uh, are a longtime uh, fan of the Total Soccer Show, you will recognize this man's name. Um, welcome to the show to John Adams. Not that one. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, you'll never know this, listener, but this is our second attempt at this because uh, we are not a professional podcast here, <laughs> and sometimes uh, your um, all-knowing uh, host forgets to push the record button. So, uh, John John has already gone a little bit on his story, but because we didn't get any recording of it, we're going to go over it again here. So, John, uh, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you being here. Um as we, we just stated, fan of the Total Soccer Show, you've been a, a long-term uh, engager with their content. That's how I came to know of you. So uh, if you would, just kind of briefly tell us uh, what brought you to the game of soccer and, and how did you get involved? Yeah, for sure. So kind of, uh, you know, what a lot of people would maybe say is the the classic American, uh, you know, introduction to soccer, you know, played it as a young kid didn't really play it much past elementary school. Um, you know, my first, uh, sport love was basketball. And I, you know, once I picked up a basketball, it was kind of like everything else went, you know, to the side and ended up playing that, you know, all the way through high school. And then, um, yeah, didn't really find soccer again until kind of the 2010 ish time, uh, and that was just sort of like uh, 
I had graduated um, college in 2008 and was just by myself in a new city. You know, went to, I grew up in Northern California and now live in San Diego and went to school in San Diego. So kind of like had some college friends, but like, you know, wasn't near my high school buddies or my family. So it was just kind of like found myself with time and was like, okay, well, you know, I've always been a sports guy. Like, you know, used to be the sit down on the couch and, you know, not move all day Sunday watching, you know, football and, you know, basketball and all kinds of stuff. So, um, was like, okay, well, you know, I kind of want to check out, uh, you know, I've been hearing a lot about the premier league. Um, want to, you know, check out that kind of that league and see what's going on there. Um, it's a lot more accessible in 2010 than it was when I was growing up and coming through school. Um, you know, you, you could kind of pick it up on a, on streaming services were starting to come around and, um, you know, there was also some dodgy links that, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe made it onto my laptop here and there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, played soccer as a kid. You, you kind of fell away from it, got involved in the other sports and then came back to it. I think, uh, just in the short time we've been doing this podcast, we've seen a lot of people with a very similar story. And it seems to be that with the availability, or I guess the broadcasting rights being uh, purchased by NBC and their production of the Premier League uh, product here in the States was a big catalyst for a lot of people because it, it made it available and they didn't have to go through those dodgy streams anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was pretty big for me. I mean, when they first got the Premier League, I remember um, when they first released their app, I mean, you could watch any game on the app before they got into the whole Peacock stuff. But, you know, it was it was prime time for Americans watching watching the Premier League at that time. Yeah. So so you come back to soccer now, uh, the Premier League being the more accessible league. Um, who, who are you a fan of? How did you become a fan of, of them? So, yeah, I was kind of in that early, like late aughts, uh, 20 aughts, you know, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. And I'm, and I'm, you know, like I said, getting into the premier league and I'm just kind of like trying to find what's the team that really interests me. And, you know, I wanted a team that had some history, but wasn't always, you know, that favorite, you know, I didn't want to be a man United fan or, you know, something like that, where, you know, you, it seemed like every time you talk to someone who followed the premier league for a little while, it was like, Oh yeah, I'm a man U fan. It's like, okay, cool. Um, so kind of was like, okay, where do I find that, you know, middle of the road sort of underdog trying to push up a little bit, but, you know, but also plays fun soccer. Like I don't want to sit there and watch, you know, my team bunker in for 90 minutes and, and just, you know, try and scratch out a, a one nil or a, you know, a draw. And that's you know not how I want to spend an hour and a half on, on a weekend day, you know? Okay. So that's what kind of led me to Spurs at that time. You know, they were really flying in that 2010, 2011 season. Uh, I think that was the first time they ended up making the champions league. Uh, you know, they were just uh, a fun team watching, you know, guys like Bale and, and uh, Lennon run up and down the, the wings. Um, then you got, you know, just almost a hodgepodge of, of people on that team too. Like Crouch at, uh, was leading the line then, which, you know, for, you know, he may not be the most exciting 
striker to watch, but you know, when you get into his Twitter timeline and you see some of the funny stuff that he's posting and you're like, man, I, this, I love this guy. He's hilarious. (laughs) So you just, you just want to root for him, you know? Yeah. That, uh, that era of Spurs was uh, such a a fascinating group because it, you could tell that there was talent there. Certainly you had Bale, um, but there there was talent there and you, you know, you had Harry Redknapp and, uh, then you get into some of the more failed experiments with AVB and Tim Shearer and some of them, but, right. but there's talent there. It was just like no spine, right? Like they didn't have any grit. It was just, we're either going to win four, three, or we're going to get battered five, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's exactly. no in between. Right. <laughs> so what a, what an interesting time uh, to come to Spurs, but you also get the, uh, you know, the Inter Milan Champions League uh, come from behind and stuff like that, like Bale at his peak, I think, uh, for Spurs. But so uh, with that, um, you did have to endure some of uh, the less entertaining uh, years at Tottenham. What kept you, I guess, rooting for Spurs? And and, because, I mean, no judgment here. This is a podcast about fandom. Um, it would have been easy, I think, maybe to say, well, Bale's gone. We're, you know, trying to get sixth place. Why don't I just go root for Man City or somebody? Like, what what kept you with Spurs? Sure. Um, I think I think part of it is um, when it comes to sports, I'm a bit of a serial monogamist. So, <laughs> you know, you know, ten uh, year old me was sitting around, you know, you know loved basketball and everybody in you know 95 96 was like all about the bulls and it was jordan it was pippen and you know what i i love those players but i just also am a little bit of a contrarian um you know maybe a slight fault of mine uh to some degree you almost have to be to be a a soccer fan yeah it's probably built in our dna yeah so you know that's you know, there's no reason that a kid from Northern California should grow up and be an Orlando Magic fan like I am. It just does not make sense for anybody. But when I was, you know, in that, you know, 94, 95 area, um, they were just fun to watch. And that is a lot of it for me. And they were, they were good. You know, it's kind of the same story. Like, they were a younger franchise um, for the NBA and they just were fun to watch Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, everybody knows those big names, but there's something too, that draws me to, you know, the players on the fringe a little bit, like, you know, you know, everybody knows those two from the Orlando magic in that area and in that era. But, you know, my, one of my favorite players on that team was Dennis Scott because he's a specialist and he, you know, if he gets the ball in the corner, it's three points every time. (laughs) And so I think there was part of that with Spurs too. Like one of my first, you know, favorite players for Tottenham was Aaron Lennon. Um, And it's kind of the same story. Like, you know, he is a specialist on the wing. Like he's not going to do a lot of tracking back in the middle for you. He's not going to get back on defense, you know, and, and get stuck in on you know a bunch of challenges but man, he's fun to watch flying up and down that that flank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I came I came to Spurs just a little bit later, <clears throat> right right before Poch came, 
but and to see all those guys kind of get shipped out him and Townsend especially mm-hmm. you know they continued in the league for a few years and I just remember thinking at times I was like man like we couldn't have couldn't have done with that a little bit of that on our team but obviously you know you can't argue with the results that that Poch got out of the group but yeah I I totally get that it's a bit crazy (laughs) to be in San Diego California and a fan of the Orlando Magic but hey we're all a little strange uh we're all rooting for English teams that we've never been to so yeah um, totally (laughs) so uh, you also, um, in our conversations uh, prior to the podcast, indicated that um, you also enjoy watching the national team, and we talked a little bit uh, about this uh, at the time of recording. Uh, I don't know what we want to call it, the Polar Bowl, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> this Arctic freeze of a game, that uh, World Cup qualifier that the national team just played. So uh, tell me a bit about then uh, your national team fandom, which came first, Um and and what it's been like being a fan of the national team through a couple of different cycles now. Yeah. So it, you know, kind of found the national team right around the same time I was finding, you know, the premier league in Tottenham, you know, that, that 20, uh, 2010 area, you know, some of like my first big memory of the, of the men's team at least is, is that Landon goal in 2010. Uh, I mean, it's just, you see something, you know, so iconic as that. And you're like, okay, I'm kind of hooked here. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's also the national team is interesting because I'm not a very, you know, nationalistic person in general. I think, you know, as a philosophy, imaginary lines on a map are, are kind of a weird concept for me. So, uh, I don't hold a lot of that, like, you know, nationalistic feeling anywhere else, but man, do I want that national team to just route whoever they're playing on that day? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I totally understand that. That's uh, it's an interesting point. It's one I think a lot of people, especially in today's global environment, are having to wrestle with because we do deal with a lot of xenophobic, nationalistic issues. And yet we as soccer loving people are channeling that into a far more appropriate outlet, but uh, into our national teams. And you're right. Like I have nothing against Honduras, but I was hoping we'd put nine past him, you know, (laughs) right, right, and establish our superiority as uh, a soccer nation or, you know, whatever. But, uh, so you, you mentioned Landon Donovan's goal, the one against Algeria in the 2010 World Cup. That is a uh, a constant, I think, for people of a certain uh, certain age, time area. Uh, I remember watching that goal live. Uh, similar reactions. You you just you see Howard chuck the ball, and then Donovan Dempsey. Donovan puts it in the back of the net, and you're just going crazy so yeah i mean you just you just it's just one of those things where you just leap off the couch it's just you know i don't know how if if you're watching something like that and you don't jump up and get excited like you just you just don't have the passion for whatever it is you're watching you know it could be any sport too i mean you know when the magic made the finals you know it just yeah (laughs) you just have to celebrate yeah, it's it's interesting what those moments in soccer will do 
the the passion, the exhilaration. There are very few other things in life, uh, especially in other sports. I think for me that have done that more than soccer. You know, yeah. think about Lucas Mora's you know late hat trick against Ajax was a very similar feeling. I was right. keeping up with it on Twitter at work and just like bawling and like trying to keep everything in and just going crazy. And uh, there's very few things I think that that can give you that kind of feeling, but. As you uh, as you stayed with Spurs and the the national teams, um, what are some moments um, other than like the Donovan moment? Um, what are some of the the fondest memories that you have of of watching both Spurs and the national team? Yeah, so um, fittingly, you know, one of the ones that really came to mind was that uh, I think it was twenty thirteen, maybe the the snow game versus Costa Rica for the men. I mean, you know, we just had a similar version of that. It wasn't snowing, but it was way colder than, you know, most people should be outside doing just about anything. So, but I mean, there's just so many iconic visuals from, from a game like that. I mean, the thing that sticks with me is, um, is uh, the Afro, of um snow fro yes (laughs) and so you know you just see things like that and you're like you know i can't believe a we did this and b that you know it worked out you know we win the game and and it just you know you just those things just stick in your mind um and so another one would be uh john brooks's you know late game winner in 2014 and and just that 2014 world cup in general i mean even the way it ends with you know tim howard having the performance that he had and just almost single-handedly like gutting us through that round and just not quite being able to get there but just you know that performance was just unreal and it's like that way in soccer like you can you can recognize a performance like that and see greatness and it just, it still may not even pay out in the result that you want. (laughs) It's just such a funny sport like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that uh, game against Belgium and uh, this is a a transition here. Uh, Wondolowski, the, the memorable miss in that those dying moments that would have sent us through now, we've, we've talked a bit about Spurs, we've talked a bit about the national team, but you also mentioned that you do have a bit of a, an MLS uh, affiliation with San Jose. So um, what what is that like? And how did you come to, uh, to San Jose? Um, uh, forgive me, I'm not a geography major, but uh, San Diego, San Jose, are they even close to each other? No, not really. But um, <laughs> so I, I grew up in Northern California in a small town, actually kind of one of the reasons that I'm uh, tied so closely to the women's national team, I think, um, is that uh, I grew up in Redding, California, which is the hometown of Megan Rapino. Yeah. Um, so definitely follow her career with a, a lot of interest and um, that's, you know, we try, we try not to miss a women's national team, um, game just, you know, mostly because of her, but also, you know, it's just that USA pride also. Yeah. Um, 
So, but back to San Jose. So that's really why I ended up with San Jose is like, they were the closest team to my hometown. Um, and so, you know, they also have a local tie. So a, a close town to my hometown is Chico, which is, um, you know, Chris Wondolowski went to Chico state, has a lot of ties to that area, ended up playing at San Jose. So he's, he's kind of a, a Northern California, um, cult hero (laughs) in the soccer community. Um, so he, that, that love of San Diego, uh, San Jose really just sort of came with me to San Diego. Um, so that's really how I ended up there. So I, of course, was heartbroken to see Wondolowski miss that chance. I also have a, um, admittedly biased take that, you know, not everyone is going to score that chance a hundred percent of the time. And so I think a lot of the vitriol that he got for missing that chance was, you know, a little harsh, maybe. Um, there's also, you know, a, a thought that, you know, half, half the players, you know, in his position don't make the run to even get on the end of that chance, you know? So it's, it's hard, it's hard to see when a player you like as, you know, as much as I like Chris Wondolowski and, uh, you know, not make that chance and then, and then get all the hate that he ended up getting online. But, you know, that's also the online fandom era. <laughs> exactly. The, maybe the dark side of, of fandom is uh, what happens on Twitter and, <laughs> and Reddit and wherever else. Uh, you don't have to go very far to see even that now with bear halter out and, and all that stuff. So um, it's, it, it brings a damper to an otherwise, I think, pretty positive uh, game. But uh, San Jose, um, obviously in a bit of a transitional state right now. Um, perpetually. To, per, yes, perpetually, yeah. <laughs> um, new coach. Um, or is Almeida still there? I don't even remember now. Um, Gosh, I'm not even sure. Uh, but at least the transition from Wando. Um, what is, what is the attitude around San Jose's fandom right now? Is there optimism for this coming season or is it a little bit of like, we'll see. I think as a San Jose fan, you kind of have to have a little bit of a foot in both camps, (laughs) you know, it, as a, as a sports fan in general, I think you have to enter most seasons with some level of optimism. Otherwise, you know, kind of what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's so hard when your franchise is, um, you know, they make some moves sometimes where I look at them like, okay, I'm not sure I see the plan, but I'm going to go with you and I'm going to hope for the best. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But at least, you know, recently they've, been an interesting watch which you know in mls they that league is so much parody anyway anything can happen on any given week at least if they're gonna go out you know they might give up five but they might score six i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly uh as a uh, sporting kansas city fan 
uh, I've felt uh, both ends of that from San Jose. <laughs> uh, I, I recall uh, maybe just a season or two ago going to San Jose and getting battered 4-0, and then <laughs> you just never know what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, in the bubble, the MLS's back tournament, was that game was just an absolute, like, crazy you know finish for san jose and of course wandalaski right uh, wins it gets like two and a half minutes off the bench and somehow scores like four goals it's it's just the wando effect you know it's how yep. it works um so and then you also mentioned being um a fan of the aforementioned lana donovan's san diego loyal so what is it like in uh, i am not familiar with uh, USL really at all, but or USL championship, but um, what is what is the vibe, um, especially now in in the pandemic? Uh, what is Donovan doing there that has has made you uh, fall in love with the team? Well, one of the things that I, I really enjoy about the team is just how connected they've made themselves to the community. Um, you know, even the name Loyal came from them just doing a bunch of surveys throughout this throughout the city and the county, and that I th- think one thing that uh, is important to understand about when the San Diego Loyal team started to you know form was just right on the heels of the Chargers leaving, mm-hmm. and so I think when they started talking to people in the area one of the things that just kept coming back is like, you guys, you guys gotta be part of the community. You have to be loyal. You can't, you can't come here, form your team and then leave and go somewhere else. And, and so I think that's, you know, a lot of why even the name loyal exists. And, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the key aspects of, of a team, you know, San Diego's, got a, a very strange and strange and strained um, sports history. You know, they've had franchises over the years, not just the chargers, you know, leave, you know, they've had a couple different basketball teams, uh, you know, yeah. pull up stakes and take off. So they, uh, I, you know, it's hard when you talk to the locals and they, you know, they, they want to fall in love with your team, but they also have been burned a few times in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I guess I didn't realize uh, that, and I, I yeah, didn't realize the connection to the name with the San Diego Loyal. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it is difficult, I suppose, um, being the fans of a team and, and maybe seeing it move, I guess. Um, so you've se- we've seen that in soccer at times, obviously with um, Wimbledon and MK Dons, and um, I know there's been talk with other teams as well. Um I guess it it gets at the heart of uh, something about fandom, which is like the, the community connection, the physical connection, the proximity. And when that's taken away, you know, it's uh, yeah, it cuts a little deeper. I think Um, obviously uh, Super Bowl's right around the corner and the LA Rams are going to be representing and, you know, living in Missouri, uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan my whole life, but but to see the Rams uh, get moved, not for the first time um, as an organization, but but certainly getting uprooted and and moved uh, pretty recently, and it also you know doesn't help that 
Stan Kroenke is their owner, so uh, yeah, Mister Arsenal. So there's more than one reason to not root for the Rams. But, <laughs> um, I think we've seen a lot of that just in this area. A lot of homeless fans who don't really want to support the team that left because they left, but not really knowing how to reconcile that with like rooting for somebody else. So it's an interesting dynamic, uh, and I'm I'm curious to know. Um, with San Diego loyal, um, have, I mean, obviously the pandemic has changed a lot. Um, but, but does the atmosphere there, um, does the connection with the community, does it feel like maybe it's starting to heal some of those wounds? Maybe a little bit. Um, you know, admittedly, I'm not as close to the team as I would like to be, um, mostly because of the pandemic. I have two small children, so we, we haven't really gotten out to a game yet. Um, we definitely want to. My five-year-old is chomping at the bit to go to some sports games, but yeah. you know, we just had a, a three-month-old, so she's you know a little bit more vulnerable than, than most. So we're kind of still laying low. Um, but I, I think they've done a really good job of of making that community connection. They, there's a supporters group here um, called the locals and they connect really well with them. Um, and, you know, they do a great job of also just, you know, connecting with the different communities. You know, there was a couple, uh, there was a game called off last year for uh, a homophobic slur uh, against yeah. one of their team members. And, you know, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of guts to, to do stuff like that, you know, you know, that happens a lot in sports, even still where, oh, yeah. you know, you know, those kinds of things just get thrown around and it's easy to just let them slide. But, you know, Landon's done a really good job of, I think, making uh, not only that community connection, but making the team feel really connected to each other and fighting for each other, you know, even when it's the hard thing to do and, and it costs your team points, you know? Yeah, I would... Uh, I recall that um, that story made pretty national news, um, even outside of the, the soccer world, because it's not every day that a coach uh, would take his team off the field because of something that another player said. I mean, right. you, you think about the NFL or NBA, like that would be unheard of, you know, and it's interesting that uh, that's the case. Um, it's interesting that it's this, you know, small USL championship team was willing to take a stand. And, and again, admittedly, I'm not the closest follower of the USL championship, but surely, um, the points there, the, the prospect, I guess, of points there, um, was probably not an easy thing to pass on for the sake of, you know, something like that. But that they took a stand is, is pretty cool. And I remember that story being um, disheartening, but also somewhat encouraging, weirdly. Um, but you talked about supporters groups there. So I'm going to make another painful transition here to uh, back to Tottenham and back to the supporters groups, because you're the first guest that I've had who's been in a city large enough to have an actual Tottenham Hotspur supporters group. And I follow the San Diego uh, Spurs Twitter account have for a long time. I've enjoyed their content. Um, I see that you are also uh, following 
uh, San Diego Spurs on Twitter. So uh, how connected are you to them? Have you um, spent time at the Harp and, and watched games at ungodly early morning hours? Uh, I haven't gotten out of the Harp. I connected with them uh, a long time ago before they even made it out to the Harp. Um, they used to watch games at uh, an English pub that is, is, I believe, the kind of headquarters for the Manu supporters group in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were kind of sharing those for a little while. Um, but then, you know, uh, SD Spurs was kind of looking for their own home and ended up settling out in uh, Ocean Beach, which is one of the beach communities out here. Um, so we it's a little bit of a drive for us and with two small kids early in the morning i i haven't i haven't saddled my wife with that uh responsibility yet so i would like to get out and connect with them more um i you know have definitely watched a a handful of games at in the old days when they were at the old venue um but yeah i i do enjoy their content they they always have good um you know, nice hot takes on, on Spurs. Uh, and they, they keep the banter pretty fresh with the other supporter groups in town here. So that's, that's always fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely want to, um, you know, like with, with loyal, I want to, you know, try and connect more with them in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Supporters groups are such an interesting concept, obviously like in other sports, you get your student sections or you get your, you know, season ticket holders, you know, whatever. But, but with soccer, having these supporters groups whose entire existence is around just supporting this team. And it's fascinating, this culture that has emerged in America, in the, in American soccer around these supporters groups, because uh, for instance, I mean, obviously San Diego, you guys are having to wake up oftentimes stupid early like i feel so bad for west coast uh, premier league fans because it's never i mean even the late kickoffs are like at times when i'm not wanting to be awake and so uh, that the fact that there are multiple supporters groups for different teams but also just across the you know west coast that are willing to get up willing to uh you know drive across the town get into a bar and get watching it's 3 a.m. is just incredible. Um, I I envy that passion. Um, the closest uh, of our supporters groups here is is in Kansas City, so it's a three hour drive from us. But uh, I ha- we have gone when we've been up in Kansas City. We watched them play Watford a couple of years ago in a game that they ended up losing because Watford and Spurs, you know, just uh, it would would happen that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's always super fun because uh, it's the part of this weird American soccer fandom is that we're often kind of watching and, and being fans in small communities, sometimes even alone. Uh, right. Listeners will, you know, only recall um, my interview with Matt Koss uh, being a, a fan on his own up in, in Austria, you know, like, but to have these supporters groups where dozens of people can get together and support the same team you know know the chants know the songs and and watch it's a unique phenomenon it's pretty cool so 
I hope that you guys are at least you are able to make it uh, out there and hopefully the the pandemic in all respects is yeah I mean it looks like a blast they're always posting videos of you know songs they're singing and you know pictures they're taking and food they're eating and it just it does look like a blast I gotta get out there that's one thing about soccer like you mentioned the soccer communities on that on that local level I think you know you mentioned the total soccer show at the beginning and on a on a more grand scale, you know, I think that's one of the great things that engaged me a lot early on in soccer fandom was connecting with, um, uh, uh, the podcast community around soccer. Um, you know, just interacting, you know, back then with, uh, the show, you know, Daryl and Taylor on Twitter and, and just, you know, some of, you know, that's how you and I, you know, sort of got connected, and just, you know, having someone else to talk to on a regular basis about this sport, even if they're not, you know, in your local market, you know, that really keeps you engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listeners will know the, the deep uh, gratitude we have for the Total Soccer Show here. Um, but yeah, just since, you, since you brought it there, um, so part of what uh, I wanted to start this podcast for, or at least one of the reasons was just a, I don't know, almost a, an audio sort of like record of the effect that podcasts like the total soccer show individuals like David or Daryl and Taylor and, and Joe and Ryan and kick TV and mm-hmm. Howler and all those, those places had on developing a niche, but passionate fan base. And the total soccer show, I think stands above them all in that regard. Um, you know, uh, a little peek behind the curtain. I, I reached out to John when we started the podcast back in October, November or so um to to come on the show and i I wanted to start with total soccer show ogs as i call them because uh there is a community of us that have been listening to the total soccer show for a decade or more now and we're at least familiar with each other because you know we're engaging on twitter questions listener questions scouting reports you know stuff like that um and it even though like until now john and i had never spoken uh, it kind of felt like we knew each other at least because we knew, you know, total soccer show fan, Spurs fan and soccer fan. And it brought a, it has brought a community together. So when did you get started with total soccer show? What, and what made you latch on to, to that? Yeah, I think, um, it must've been right around that 2010, 2011 area still. Um, and I th- just one of the things that that I don't even know how I found the Total Soccer Show, honestly. Um, but one of the things that really, you know, connected me to it was just the the way that they talk about uh, the game, and you can just tell that you know Daryl and Taylor are so passionate about um, just informing and investigating why things are happening and just sharing that love with, with everyone who's listening. Um, I think that's what really engaged me with it. It's not, you know, so much in, in American sports coverage has, is 
two talking heads often yelling at high volume. (laughs) So it it wasn't, it, it just was so not that. Um, and it was just so much more engaging and then they, you know, really opened up the, uh, the community with the scouting reports and assigning players. And, uh, and I just, you know, since I, I don't even know how long I've been connected to the total soccer show, but you know, it just, I don't, you know, it's just always going to be there for me, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that that's a perfect encapsulation of, of my thoughts as well. Like, so much of sports media you got your cowherds you got your Stephen a's you know skip and and uh, sterling and all those guys and it's just like what is our topic one of you is going to be pro con and we're just going to yell at each other for 20 minutes and we're going to make outrageous statements that we have no real vested interest in or proof for and we're just going to get the clicks you know and the total soccer show with daryl and taylor was, was so different and you know, fellow uh, listener, TSSOG, Greyhaired Gaming, in a video uh, talked about um, that was one of the reasons why he engaged with them was it was so level-headed. It was always the why, the reason behind things and not getting pulled in emotional directions. Uh, some of what uh, Joe Lowry and I talked about last week was um, – soccer coverage can and fandom in general tends to lend itself to emotional reactions and the total soccer show was just always so far from that it was i mean i'm sure they maybe they would disagree but but it was always felt so removed from the emotional side of it and let's just think through like the why you know and that's not to say like failure to qualify or or whatever taylor called it the that which must not be named or whatever yeah the the recent un Pleasantness, I think it was. Pleasantness, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, not to say that it didn't obviously affect them, but it, it just made the content so much more enjoyable because, one, it wasn't just like beating us back down because we were already upset about it. We didn't need to be more upset. It was right. just like trying to understand what happened. And that's what I've loved about the Total Soccer Show. And I think it's funny that you mentioned that there's a certain era of Premier League fan that are Man United fans. And I remember the first time listening to the Total Soccer Show hearing the first time I heard that Taylor was a Man United fan I just rolled my eyes I was like, Come on. but then I have never once felt myself like I don't know thinking he was being overly biased or anything like that and and same I mean Daryl Daryl didn't have the Wolves in the Premier League for a long time but even when they did it was never a you know, well, now that I have a Premier League interest, you know, all these other teams are the worst. It was, you know, in fact, both of them almost self-deprecating about their fandom. And it, it was refreshing right. in that way. So I'm curious, other than the Total Soccer Show, um, what other what other podcasts, what other media sources were helpful to you um, as you were developing into your fandom? Were there any others? Yeah, so... Um... The, the the next like football podcast that or soccer podcast that I latched onto was probably the the football ramble um, yeah. and I think that was uh, on a similar you know plane um, it wasn't you know a bunch of people sitting around yelling at each other it was just, like four friends sitting around talking about soccer and making a bunch of jokes and it was pretty funny um, and and they would also you know 
have some information about each of the teams or whatever, but like, you know, the core of it was just fun banter. And, and I enjoyed that so much more than, than, you know, the majority of the American style. So (laughs) that was the, the next early one that latched on. But I mean, more recently it's been, you know, still the total soccer show. Um, and then, uh, scuffed for the U S men's national team. Uh, I mean, that's those two, whenever they have a new episode, they go right to the top of my, my list. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Scuffed is also such a great resource. If anybody out there is wanting really in-depth tactical reviews of national team games, previews, stuff like that, those guys do a great job. And, you know, Adam and Greg are, sharp and you if you're a total soccer show listener you've heard them on the show before i'm sure um but yeah it's it's uh i remember when i started really getting into soccer really getting into the premier league um you know it started with men and blazers and their 2014 world cup coverage um and like i heard of the total soccer show i'd listened to some episodes prior but then their world cup coverage that year it was like that was when it became a i'm listening to this you know as much as it's available you know from yeah. the once a week to the five days a week you know kind of thing and then you had you know r.i.p i know it's not really r.i.p but r.i.p uh howler magazine and <laughs> and howler radio uh and george Qureshi and all those guys um I, the super i mean talk about some niche nerdy soccer stuff it was yeah, awesome the, those are fun yeah and then the goal mouth uh the goal mouth and our introduction to ryan bailey and the total soccer show guys but um i uh i man it's it's so funny just hearing other people coming to the game in similar ways through similar venues and um we do truly have a unique fandom here in america that i think is pretty unlike anywhere else when it comes to how we've come to this weird game but uh john we're we're going on 45 minutes here i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i wanted to uh just see um if you had one encapsulating moment uh in for spurs for san jose for the national teams um obviously women's national teams included um what is the maybe mount everest of your soccer fandom moments so I think it would actually be um, in 2015, the Women's World Cup um, final versus Japan. So in, in 2015, I was actually hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, um, which, if you don't know, is a singular trail that goes from the Mexican border to the Canadian border through California, um, Oregon, and Washington. And so I was hiking the whole trail. Um, and my wife, uh, so I was hiking it with my father-in-law and my wife and mother-in-law came up to visit us in Northern California. And so we're in, uh, Bernie, California, which is just off the trail. It's a very small town, um, you know, kind of close to my hometown. So my parents actually drove out and met us in that very small town. And, uh, it was 4th of July weekend. And so, you know, we've got my parents, my couple aunt and uncles, my wife's family, um, came up. Uh, so my wife and mother-in-law came up to meet us. And so we've got a big group 
of, you know, our family in, in this very small town. And we're trying to find the world cup final for the women. And it's, it's a, it's a hard task. We try a couple of restaurants, you know, nobody's got a, nobody's got TVs that, you know, to turn on to this game. And so we finally end up in their bowling alley. They have one bowling alley. And so we're sitting, you know, we pull up all these, um, plastic, you know, they look like patio furniture chairs, the white plastic patio furniture chairs. And we've, we've got just, a Row, two rows of these chairs lined up in, in the one TV they've got in their bowling alley and they turn on the game for us. And so we're just sitting in a, a bowling alley in this very small Northern California town. And we're just, you know, losing our minds at, at this game. And it, it just was, you know, one of those things around a sporting event that I'll never forget just partially because of where we were and who we were with, you know, who we were with and, and how it went. I mean, it was, it just was a, an amazing result for, for us and, and winning that game. So. Yeah. I can only imagine what it would have been like to have seen Carly Lloyd hit that half yeah. chip over their keeper live. I got the, the updates uh, cause I couldn't watch it, but, but to see that live, man, what a game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible. Well, John, I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, I appreciate that uh, you're willing to dive in a little bit more about your fandom, and uh, I hope that uh, eventually when uh, things are a little safer and, and stuff that you'll be able to, to meet up with San Diego Spurs and, and uh, go to Loyal Games and stuff like that uh, and really jump back into it. But before I let you go, um, I just want to extend a sincere thank you and, and – uh, if, uh, if there's anything you want to plug, go for it. Uh, no, nothing to plug. Find me on a hiking trail somewhere in San Diego. But I really <laughs> enjoyed chatting with you, Mark, and uh, you know I'll keep listening. Absolutely. Well, uh, listeners, thank you so much, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. I want to thank John Adams for being willing to, to come on the show and just talk about his soccer fandom. It is, after all, what we are all about. And if you are interested in coming on the show and telling us about your soccer stories, your ups, your downs, uh, how you became a fan of this funny little game, we would absolutely love to interview you. So reach out to me at contact fanamerica at gmail.com let me know a little bit about yourself and we'll schedule a time to have you on the show in addition if you would uh, rate and review the podcast a five-star review will help others find us and uh, a little bit of a, a review will help them determine if this is the kind of pod for them so both would be much appreciated we uh, can't thank you enough for listening uh, up to this point uh, you guys are the true mvps and uh, until next time, peace.